So good evening everyone. We are discussing the chastisement of Kaliya and um, thus far we've heard about the chronology of the Leela, how it appears in the Bhagavatam, and we give some justification and explanation as to why the uh, narrator, Sukhavak Sukhamuni, Sukadev Goswami, has narrated the Leela out of chronological order and briefly to explain again out of his ecstasy. And we've also heard um, a little bit, a beginning really, of the history of the events that led up to the condition in Vrindavan that gave rise to the need to chastise Kalyanaga. And that, by way of introducing and speaking about the exalted Vaishnava carrier of Dwarakesh Krishna, Sri Gurudev Kijai. Hmm? And we heard something about his ontological position, about how he is looked at uh, metaphorically or allegorically in the Vedas, and so on and so forth as well. Of course, our ideal is to enter into a land of Garudas and Nagas and live happily ever after in love with Krishna. These are our stories about how to develop such love for Krishna, so we have great power. Uh, but that said, we uh, did not yet get to the directly to the history of Garuda's uh, in, involvement um, in the story at hand under discussion. So we know that he's the that he had some bad psychological early experiences with the Nagas in his childhood, and it was compensated for with the blessing of. Vishnu, such that serpents became part of his his diet, and um, so the uh, when Prichet Marsh asks, after having heard the story about how it all came about, this long, long, long history of Garudas, oh, excuse me, of Kaliya being in the in the Jamuna, then uh, Sukadev. Uh, gave a lengthy narrative that constitutes practically the entire 17th uh, chapter of the 10th canto about that early history. So we go there tonight, right? 
And um, we find that uh, Garuda is also associated with the the, um, the life, in one sense, the, life, the central nervous system of the of the of, of Braj, which is non-different than Krishna's body, that being the uh, sacred Jamuna, Jamuna Devi. Jai. And um, apparently he was uh, residing there at, at, uh, for some time. And part of his, he, he um, augmented or added to his Naga diet with fish from the Jamuna. Mm-hmm. This might be a concern for those who are. Um, militant about ahimsa, but there's a standard of of nonviolence that uh, uh, is adhered to by the Vaishnavas and um, referenced by Jiva Goswami in his Bhakti Sandarbha with uh, reference as the Sandarbhas in general do to Srimad Bhagavatam. Sandarbha means kind of like a like a tying together, like a necklace, in this case of verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So treaties on various verses of the Bhagavatam that 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 uh, draw out its essential meaning. It's a it's not a commentary on the Bhagavatam in one sense, in another sense it's a super uh, commentary on the Bhagavatam. Six Sandarbha, Sat Sandarbha. And so there's a uh, there's a difference between the very like to give a contrast. Um, we find some, at least I've seen some devotees today, have kind of a a, a Jain leaning or perspective on on nonviolence, which is very extreme. The Jains are known for their nonviolence to the extent that they often wear masks. Hmm. So I guess they breathe in less germs, and uh, they're very extreme on the on the himsa, nonviolence for the Jains. Is what Nam Kirtan is for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, practically, just to give you some idea. So we shouldn't be replace Nam Kirtan with with nonviolence in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and, and Jainize it, if you will. But of course, within within reason, we are um, nonviolent. But there's a uh, a great uh, history and standard, really, with regard to uh, devotion to Krishna, Krishna Leela, hmm? um, amongst Vaishnavas and Gaudis, of course, included, of uh, interaction between the humans, if you will, and the human-like Leelas of Krishna with nature and with the world and it there's a you know there's a world view a meta narrative a philosophy by which uh the the Vaishnavas conduct themselves very uh treading very lightly on nature um but uh also at the same time acknowledging that there's there's no way around treading on nature if you will 
or interacting with nature without some what would be repercussions. Um, Bhagavatam, for example, makes a very strong statement that's very Darwinian in nature. Jiva jiva sijivanam. One living being is food for another. Hmm? There's a There's a play on this verse uh, from the Bhagavatam with regard to the Sandarbhas that I just referenced that um, where it said uh, what does it said? Uh, one living being is food for another. One jiva. Jiva. One jiva. This, this one jiva. Jiva Goswami can feed the whole world, hmm? right? And um, without any repercussions, because there's there uh, from nature. So, hmm. uh, it's a constant bringing, if you will, of nature in 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 connection with or in touch with its uh, its source. We are too nature and ourselves, shaktis of the same Shaktiman source. So there's a way in which we can interact to celebrate um, our our source. It'll be pleasing to nature and, and pleasing to ourselves and pleasing to to Bhagawan. And um, the what would appear to be repercussions or what might otherwise cause karmic reactions and bondage, of course, are over um, ridden or done away with by by the very spirit of the entire human engagement interaction with nature being one of an offering of oneself and and everything uh, every extension of the self and nature and so forth to um, in this case Godi Vaishnavism to Krishna hmm. so the um, I mentioned this the other night, the idea that that the bottom line, we have to eat to live, right? And it's very beautiful how the Vaishnav culture takes that bottom line of material survival hmm, that's required and spiritualizes it at the very root of our material necessity to live, which involves eating others, right? One living being is food for another. That is spiritualized by way of eating from a particular um, particular diet and that uh, as, a, as an offering unto Bhagawan. Mm-hmm. So this, this is a whole other factor, a transcendental factor that's factored into the, the, the lifestyle. It has to remain um, uh, central in our um, focus. There's many, many things we see today that uh, Gaudi Vaishnavas in the international community get distracted by. It's an aspect of the philosophy that they that they grab onto and make central, practically, to the uh, philosophy when it's not meant to play that same central role. So we have to keep continue to focus on on uh, on the center. Hmm? So nonviolence. That's uh, one of them. Atihimsena, the Bhagavatam says, and Jiva Goswami calls it something like um, 
foregoing excessive violence and acknowledges that even in the course of making offerings to Bhagawan, there's going to be some some violence. If you if you were to make uh, using as they would in old times the floor as as a table, hmm? the ground I should say as a table, and making garlands and ornaments and so on and so forth, they'd be interfering with insects and whatnot, and and it's, it's unavoidable that there's no uh, there's no um, harm there with regard to one's uh, bhakti. And, of course, you know, we live in different times, and so there may be different ways to think about what is excessive and so forth. But we also have a history hmm, of examples, and includes the examples of, in the Bhagavatam itself of the lifestyle of the Brajbasis. Hmm, and uh, they're cow people, hmm, which is fairly, fairly prominent and ob- obvious, right? So this idea of, of human interaction with domesticated animals this, the, the the principle of which and the, the most i would say um beneficial of which for the humans and for the animals is that relationship between humans and the cows for a little grass protection care medical care and so on and so forth she provides milk in the bulk until the field in an agrarian based society and so forth and um of course, unfortunately, we live in an industrial society, and to duplicate that is, is difficult. We do as, as, as best best we can, but um, yeah. I was criticized by someone who didn't understand, Vaishnava didn't understand this principle for having ashrams that had cows that were saved from dairies who were going to be slaughtered because... Um, it, uh, it it somehow uh, supported the dairy because we bought the cows from the dairy. Well, I said, tell it to the cows <laughs> that are here that are you know would have been slaughtered that are that are not. And you know this is these are there's sometimes uh, perspectives like this that uh, even in the farming community, agriculture community, there are perspectives voiced by persons who've never touched a cow. You know, or uh, don't know what it. Not that the, not that uh, there isn't an acute awareness amongst some of the fact that they're abused, but um, but at any rate, when we when we, we were invited some a couple of years back to the Blue Spirit over in Nosara, the kind of preeminent uh, yoga center in Costa Rica, and the uh, the the, um, the facility was hosting a. Uh, a pair of well-known, very well-known yoga teachers. Um, I won't mention their names, um, but uh, they, um, unbeknownst to me, they also had a very extreme focus on on veganism. And so they turned the cafeteria vegan for a week, and they rented the whole place out. So they had a big team. But they had wanted to... um, meet me. I had met one of them before, but anyway, we went and we had lunch and talked and so forth, and they were rather uh, a little bit, they were nice and all, they were a little bit aggressive about the vegan idea, and they were like pushing this, and I was, you know, gently pushing back, and, uh, you know, in terms of a more positive idea, like example of which we have here, 
the cows are well protected and so on and so forth. And, but uh, they were of the thinking that um, that this was an un- unnatural, that cows should be you know, let, or allowed to roam free and so forth. It was like prison for them. It's a slavery. They likened it to slavery. You're making slaves out of them. You're determining that they are less, lesser species and slaves. And it went on like this. So anyway, I was nice enough about it. But um, in the end, it turned out she had a dog, slave dog, <laughs> uh, you know, a few cats and so forth. So, But at any rate, um, I was asked this question recently about uh, wearing silk because apparently you have to silkworms die in the process or something like that or then there's the idea of not eating honey and so forth but we find Krishna's dressed in silks we find an emphasis on, on bees and on their honey also in, in the Bhagavatam and so on and so forth so we take these standards hmm, and take them into consideration seriously in light of the times in which we live and come up with a practical um, atihimsena approach to non-excessive uh, violence. Hmm? So, na atihimsena, na ati, nati, nati, we may need to do it together, but na atihimsena, atihimsena, ati means too much, himsa means aggression, na means not, not too much, hmm? not too much, right, not too much aggression, <laughs> um, non-excessive aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the big issue, I suppose, is the, is, the, is, the, is the unfortunate condition that the cows find themselves in in the modern um, big dairy farms. And there's much abuse. So we, we, we should avoid that. And if we're going to drink milk, we should be trying to be as careful as we can where we can, where we can get it. Um, uh, the system is very different here, for example. They don't have those kinds of farms. Uh, not, that, not, that, not that the cows aren't, some bulls aren't uh, used for, for, for consumption and so forth, but it's quite a different situation. At any rate, we have our own dairy, so we're, we're fortunate. But, but here we have the example of Garuda. He's a fish eater. So in Bengal, that's the fruit of the sea, the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Ganga. So many, many uh, nominal fish. They don't eat the snake. Humans don't eat too many snakes over there. But Guru was eating fish from the Jamuna. Yeah, augmenting his Naga diet with fish. So in Bengal, there's many, many West Bengal nominal Vaishnavas. Um, even so, they're born Vaishnav families, but they eating fish is, is quite popular. And, being a fisherman is fairly popular. So sometimes we would have uh, festivals and we would feed thousands and thousands of people, which Prabhupada was fond of doing, but they had to check their bags when they came in that they didn't bring any fish to mix in with the kitchery. Habits, you know, formed in youth are difficult to overcome. But uh, Garuda, of course, was a fish eater, but uh, he was in eagle form, so take that into consideration. That said, however, unfortunately, Subari Muni, uh, who was somehow associated with the Nagas as well, and not a Vaishnava, 
was a meditator. He's an example in the Bhagavatam of a person who appears overtly to be extremely spiritual. He was meditating, as, he, as it's described in the Bhagavatam, underwater in the Jamuna. Pretty deep, right? <laughs> um, but uh, he's one of the many examples of persons who um, are not as really spiritually deep as the Vaishnav saint and the Vaishnavism that the Bhagavatam is centered on. So sometimes in the course of making its case for Vaishnavism and Bhakti, devotion to Bhagavan Sri Krishna, examples of others on other other paths um, are brought up. So by way of positively stating the case for bhakti, making a case for its its uh, ease of practice, its, its measure of perfection, and so forth, hmm? um, uh, uh, bhakti is glorified directly and sometimes indirectly by way of showcasing the the spirituality of others. So here is a, a meditator, Subhari Muni, and he's under the water. Seems pretty deep, um, but he made the mistake of cursing Garuda for eating fish from the Jamuna. So uh, this arose in in the Muni out of compassion for the fish. Hmm. So. Vaishnavas are known for their compassion. Indeed, um, we are uh, taught by Sri Jiva Goswami that the, the very Kripa Shakti, Kripa means mercy, Shakti, the, the, the power, the potency of mercy of Bhagawan, is manifest in the form of his devotees. So, Vanshakalpa Turubhyascha, Kripa Sindhubhyascha, Patitanam Pabhanimu, Vaishnavibhanamonamaha. They're an ocean of mercy. Right? They extend the opportunity of bhakti to us. They become the vehicle through which uh, bhakti is distributed in the world. And wherever bhakti goes, of our own choice, then Krishna has to follow, of course. So they're extremely compassionate, but they're compassionate in the context of a particular worldview also. We talked about Patit Pabhan Udharandatta on his uh, Tirubhav uh, disappearance day recently and the magnanimity of him with regard to wide and merciful uh, distribution of Krishna Nam, Nam Sankirtan, and also distribution of prasadam, and even providing housing for people just for the price of chanting if you will, something like that just chant and I'll take care of everything else, was Patita Pavan's uh, approach <clears throat> So Jiva Doi Krishna Nam Sarvadharmasar. Bhaktivinoda says the Sar of Dharma, the essence of Dharma is twofold. Kindness to Jivas and Nam Namkirtan. And sometimes it's thought that the kindness to Jivas means only to give them bhakti, not to do anything else for them. Otherwise you'd be implicated in in in, in karma, something like that. Um, and to look at it rather hard-heartedly. I've told the story before of one of my god-brothers who 
on the balcony in what was at the time a rented house that we, we were using as a temple in Calcutta. He had the fortune of standing with the Prabhupada and looking down, and there was a pair of beggars, and one of them, I think, maybe didn't have a hand or something like that. And so he turned to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, sometimes I, sometimes I actually feel sorry for these people. As if to say, I know I'm not supposed to. It's just their karma, their bad karma. Hmm. Forgive me for feeling sorry for them, something like that. It's, I mean, I, I can tell you that a lot of devotees felt like that. It's the way they kind of imbibed it or understood it. You can be a, a, a testament to that effect. So Prabhupada turned to him and, and to his surprise, he said, why only sometimes? So the larger uh, um, circle uh, of compassion includes within it, if you will, the, 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 the full idea of compassion includes within it the shadow of the same. Although there are statements to the effect, and probably to make them, what is the value of saving the dress of a drowning man? So the emphasis there is that the, the full face of compassion is to minister to the actual disease rather than treat the symptoms at the cost of treating the disease. But if you can do both <laughs> without compromising the, 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 uh, the former, the main focus, then naturally you, you will do. I saw Prabhupada sometimes give donations to beggars and, and whatnot. They would approach the car, you know, in, in, in India at the stoplights and so forth. Um, so the Vaishnavas, they are uh, uh, very, uh, let's say, uh, big-hearted. And here what we find in the case of Subhari Muni, who's not a Vaishnav, hmm? um, he is under the influence of his parabdha karma hmm? in the form of material compassion. So he is cursing the bird, Garuda, for eating the fish hmm? out of material compassion for the fish where he lives, hmm, underneath the underneath the waters of the Jamuna. Hmm? And so it's not a bad thing to be compassionate for them, but if it comes to, uh, to collide with, if it runs on parallel lines, as material well-being and spiritual well-being can at times, fine. But where there comes a departure, a significant departure, hmm, between the two, then we have to step on the side of, of the absolute. And that may not always appear from the relative side, whether it be compassion or, or, or whatever, to be the kindest thing or the best choice. But that is the view of the transcendentalist. And we are transcendentalists. So without that background, without that understanding, some of the ways in which we function and apply ourselves in the world will not be understood and will not be explained without that background and even with that explanation of that background may not be appreciated hmm? because the transcendentalist is a rare breed in this world. Hmm? 
So we would like to popularize the idea, but it will never be popular. The very compassionate Vasudev Dutta Bhaktisiddhanta once I think said he was more compassionate than millions of Jesuses or something like that <laughs> I mean he was a little bit being confronted by the British propaganda that Christianity was the only true religion and he was pushing back hmm? not that we don't have regard for the Jesus of Nazareth um, my perspective is for that matter, with regard to his compassion, whether he died on the cross and came back to life, which is the kind of the miracle that Christianity sold amongst pagan soothsayers and miracle makers of miracle to end all miracles, coming back from the dead, they were able to, in a little theology, to go along with that, uh, was consistent. They were able to conquer Europe, although... In doing so, of course, as you may well know, the, the, the Christian conquest involved um, amalgamating some pagan rituals and perspectives, like Christmas. Christmas was a pagan holiday, and they merged it with the birth of, uh, made his birthday on, on that day, and said, okay, we'll celebrate them together. And, more pagan now than it is any religious, uh, uh, unfortunately. But um, but whether he whether he died on the cross and came back uh, for a person like myself is is really not of much uh, consequence. That's a big miracle. But to me, it's just like Prabhupada was once asked. I was in with him in Madras, and we had a pondal program. There were 50,000 people that came to hear his Bhagavatam discourse for like three days, three nights, lecturing from the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, the teachings of Prashabhadev. So anyway, after one of the talks, um, there were some questions that had been, people were not allowed to write down, and some would be selected. So a fellow asked, Swamiji, have you done any miracles? By which the implication, we could know that you're for real. And Prabhupada pointed, I was one of the boys on the stage, he has given up sex. That is my miracle. And everybody was like silent, like, yeah, well, that's pretty miraculous. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> so this is the Vaishnava kind of perspective. It's very, like, common sense, which is uncommon. There's the story of the Kumbh Mela, a famous story where all the sages would come and show... Amongst them there would be, like, elected the, the sage amongst the sages, who they would show their demonstrate their spirituality, their learning and whatnot. And so one fellow uh, with the Lagima Siddhi he could levitate and walk on the water which is Jesus said to have done too, walked on the water. And so everyone, the story goes everyone was celebrating but the one Vaishnav saint was not impressed and so they thought perhaps he was offensive and what can you do in comparison? He says, well I, I can for Paisa I can take a boat across the river, so that's <laughs> not much of an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, so the real miracle, I would say, of the Jesus is the, is the, the witness to his, his statement on the cross, which was, 
forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That is unbelievable. Hmm. You understand? In a positive sense, unbelievable. Hmm. Well, you can say, the story of Jesus is unbelievable. <laughs> we don't believe in it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, to, to feel like that, that you're being crucified, and you have that kind of response. Apparently, there were a couple others also that were um, on the cross, or was it destined to be crucified next to him? Something they heard it, and then they were released, and they became Christians from on that basis. That, to me, is um, compelling. This kind of uh, extraordinary. Uh, compassion. So the virtue of compassion is is is, is huge, obviously, um, and um, much appreciated in the world. And the Vaishnava perspective on it is really quite extreme. Vasudev thought he had the idea that he asked Mahaprabhu, "Please give me the karma of everybody in the whole world." I guess this is kind of what Jesus was thinking too, right? That's the story. He took the karma. Of everybody, a, a sufficient amount. We could put it in the Vaishnava perspective. He took sufficient amount of parabdha karma hmm, of the people that they could then practice the, the teaching of Christianity, hmm, right? Take shelter of him and follow in the way. It's a nice idea. Um, but uh, Vasudev Dutta wanted like all the karma of everybody in the universe, <laughs> hmm. in the uh, or the multiverse. Uh, many universes, something like that. And it was extreme, anyway. In his uh, compassion, Mahabha was very pleased, but he also said, he also said something like, what is the value of um, saving a she-goat from a herd of cows or something like that? It, it was a way of saying, even if you liberate one universe or a cluster of them, the minimum material world is infinite. It's just, it's always going to be a small thing. How many? How how large of a number can there be in comparison to infinite? So there's an infinite number of jivas. So the point being only that I'm making is that, that it will always go on, the material world. The Vaishnavas have these big ideas like we will liberate the whole world. Hmm. And Prabhupada used to think like that, right? Hmm. And then sometimes he would say, Oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is just allowing me to stay here and do my nonsense. With those very, with those very same words. Small thing that he's doing. Hmm. Um, of course, if you can liberate one soul, it's, it's a huge thing, right? But, um, yeah. The leper, that's a different story, right? That's a different, but he was also very uh, extraordinary in his uh, Vaishnavism. But Surbari Muni here, he, uh, he, his compassion for the fish, on the one hand, seems auspicious, but from the larger perspective, he's offending the Vaishnava in the form of uh, Garuda, a significant Vaishnava, as we've heard. So, we look then at his his compassion, which is very subtle form of good karma, 
ordinary compassion. So he had this this remaining layer of prabdha sattvic karma. But the teaching is, even in that position, it's possible that one could offend a Vaishnava and what would be one's fate. Right? And so he did. And what was the result? His idea was to curse Garuda, that if you take another fish from here, then you'll die. He had the power, that kind of a power. Of course, that power wouldn't be effective upon Garuda, but Garuda said, hell with you. Anyway, he left the place. He left the place, but not without first dropping some nectar on a kadamba tree hmm? that that gave it per, kind of a persevering almost immortality. Hmm? So to see this, the all-knowing Garuda, hmm? he knew, okay, this guy has cursed me. He's connected with the Naga community. Hmm? Word gets out. These Nagas have a way of communicating. The snakes don't actually hear, you know. They, they feel vibrations. They're very subtle. Hmm? Word will get out that creepy brother of my half-brother of mine, Kalia, next thing you know, to his, he'll leave the ocean where he is and he'll come here. Hmm? And I've got to deliver him. So this is the place of Krishna. Krishna will come and let me preserve this one Kadamba tree because it will serve then as a diving board for Krishna. Hmm? We'll come here and deliver Kaliyanaga and this way he'll be he'll be converted to Vaishnavism. Gurudev Kijai. Hmm? Such so even in the face of this uh really offense in the name of uh compassion, hmm? Guruda didn't become upset with Sarabhi Muni. He just left and and foreseeing the the, the far reaching consequences he extended himself in such a way as to further ensure or to be partic- to participate in the deliverance of Kaliyanaga, who had been very inimical to him in his, pre- his previous location, where the Naga community had daily left an offering for Garuda to come. And he went, then with this envy of the Vaishnava, this Kaliya, said, you know, why does he get the food? And he used to take the offering himself, whatever it was. Hmm? And so there was some um, clash between Garuda defending himself, so to speak, and really the principle of, some principles of Vaishnavism and Kaliya, who then fled eventually to the to the Jamuna, having got the word without the internet somehow or other, right? That that Garuda can't, as he thought of it, can't come to the Jamuna. Hmm? Not true. Hmm? He's, it's, you can't stay in the Jamuna. You may go there for some time, but as you'll see, he wasn't allowed to stay, even despite his his uh, conversion that came about. Hmm? So this is some uh, history. Meanwhile, Surabhi Muni, the Rishi, under the water, then having 
uh, offended Garuda and set this in motion, um, really being an instrument in the Bhagavatam to teach us how not to be and giving that contrast from from bhakti and the, the trepidation that's there in the pursuit of transcendence through other paths that uh, is, is not present in bhakti. Bhakti is kind of like, almost like foolproof, unless what? Unless you go against bhakti. Hmm? Or the Vaishnavas who are embodiments of bhakti. Well, that's another thing. You, you, can't, you can't fall on the path of bhakti, but if you go against bhakti, well, <laughs> that's another thing. Hmm? Right? But there are many, many, many um, uh, um, ways to fall from other paths that require other qualifications to tread them other than one's faith, which is what bhakti requires, right? Hmm? Faith in her efficacy, which is, of course, Shastriya Shraddha and has something we have to grow and so forth. Hmm? But Surabhi, anyway, he offended Garuda, and then, despite his meditative abilities and so forth, suddenly he saw two fish copulating and it had a different effect on him than the past and he he had he and desire for for companionship and all that uh, arose in him and off he went from, left his meditation and, and he he was able by his parabda to experience some extraordinary celestial type of enjoyment which might seem desirable but not from the perspective of a meditator and what his goal and ambition was in the first place hmm? and not and the conduct that he found himself involved in was not such if it had had repercussions it would have brought about the same kind of even compassionate subtle sattvic hmm, um, karma that um, was the cause of his that got in the way of his, his, his progress hmm? so this is a little bit of the uh, the background and uh, Kaliya then he came to the Jamuna and there he uh, kind of created a lake within the Jamuna so a section of the Jamuna where it becomes a wide enough that the current appears to slow down and almost stop. So the narrower a river is, the faster its current will 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 appear, right? But if there's a, where it becomes wider, then you can't perceive the current. And so there was a this famous breath stretching, I guess, of, of the Jamuna, which was like a lake comparatively to the rest of the river. And Kaliya took his place there and brought his Vaishnav envy in the form of his poison there, and all the fish died. So much for Subari Muni's compassionate approach to saving the fish. He brought about the demise of all the fish. So this is usually just lessons uh, to be learned, right? So there's, there's, a, there's, a prop, there's a limitation to and problems potentially with a limited perspective on compassion. Hmm? And Vaishnavas should have both the, the full perspective and the limited perspective and participate in both as much as, as, as possible. The latter 
as much as is possible in the context of the former, right? They're naturally soft-hearted, kind, so forth. But Subari's Muni ended up in, in, in the death of all the fish and everything else that even flew over the Jamuna, practically. Such was the, so the, the envy, as this is depicting really, of the Kaliya was considerable. Hmm? Envy of the Vaishnav. This is, I mean, this is like biting the hand that, that feeds you, right? Not good. And the Jamuna, of course, um, is very, very special. In Vrindavan, I mentioned earlier, uh, it's like the central nervous system of the of the Dham, which is an expansion of Krishna's body and it, itself. I'll maybe say a little bit more about that, but let me read a, a beautiful um, section from Ananda Vrindavan Champu. It's, it, it, it's my own uh, paraphrasing of it that describes the condition there that um, in Vrindavan with uh, Kaliya now taking his, uh, making his home in the Jamuna. The burning venom of the great black serpent Kaliya constantly heated and even boiled the waters of the Jamuna. Goddess Jamuna felt as though she had a fiery black ball within her belly. Indeed, the poisonous vapors created, polluted the air, and even caused birds flying overhead to fall down into the water. The entire atmosphere was contaminated by the inauspicious presence of Kaliya, who continually harassed the inhabitants of Vrindavan. The forceful exhalation of fiery poison from his nostrils illuminated the Jamuna's otherwise dark waves with crimson-golden crimson, crimson radiance. Were it not for the calamitated hand, the beauty of this scene resembled the waves of the salt ocean glittering under the moonlight. The dense black smoke lingering over the Jamuna indicated the presence of a raging fire within. Nothing could live in the Jamuna except Kaliya's wives and sons due to the calamitous situation caused by the burning poison of that crooked serpent. As one takes shelter under the under an umbrella, Kaliya stayed safely under the deep lake within the Jamuna. Jamuna Devi Kijai. So this is an example, this is, this is fairly common, of these calamitous and inauspicious circumstances that arise in Braj, that Krishna ultimately rises to the occasion and heroically deals with, like the slaying of Danikasura, here the chastising of Kaliya, where the description is ominous and and dark, but at the same time has a beauty and and uh, and, 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 and charm to it. So... So this being the condition, then by the time that Krishna entered his, his Poganda Leela, hmm, uh, this Kali had been there for a long, long time, for, for yugas. So it's just a well-known history and uh, problem. He was, fortunately, the lake was on the just on the other side, so it was not that the lake was prior the Jamuna's flow into Vrindavan, but afterwards. So, Vrindavan was all right, but then you go to the lake and so forth. So, but still, it was a, it was it was a problem. And, and of course, don't go there was the was the policy of everyone. So for a long time, very long time, Yugas Kaliya ruled over this section of the Jamuna to the south that served 
almost like a lake unto itself. But, leave it to Krishna and the curiosity of a young boy, right? And so, although he was uh, repeatedly told, of all things, don't go to the Jamuna, that, as you can imagine, had only a counterproductive effect on the, the curious uh, uh, Krishna. Hmm? Yeah, curious and mischievous, we should say. In fact, it was such that not a day passed that Krishna didn't fantasize about going to the Kaliya lake mm -hmm. and dealing with Kaliya and heroically saving the situation for everybody in Braj who was impeded to one extent or another by him. That there was a, that there had to be a, there was a place in 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 Braj that was off limits, and it was in the Jamuna, hmm? which again is this is this was. Uh, the from an art environmental point of view, you know, this was the 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 it provided um, underground fresh water for the community, a place for bathing, a, a, a channel for commerce, and and so forth. So I mean, it's the it really the life, the water. You know, they say agua is vida, right? So water is life. Biologically, they, this is the. The idea, if there's a water on Mars, they're looking for water. It means their life, right? So Jamuna is, is very much the, the, the life. Hmm? And as I said earlier, the the Dham, Araj Bhagavan Brajeshatanayasta Dham Vrindhabhanam, is non different from Krishna. And so the Jamuna is compared to his like central nervous system, central nervous system of the Dham manifestation of of Krishna. And microcosmically, then it, within the body, this uh, Nadi, Nadi means like a river, there are different arteries, I guess coming from the heart. I think that the 101st or 108th artery is called the Susumna from the yogic um, perspective and it's through this artery that the atma the yogic atma leaves the heart chakra enters the head crown chakra and, and leaves the world so it's it's a portal hmm? right similarly from the in terms of the sacred geography hmm? right um, this Jamuna is is a portal within the portal of brudge that manifests on earth by which one can uh, enter into the aprakat lila and this is the way of the bhaktas so while the yogis try to enter the susumna nadi and it's just, it's a difficult uh, process and then enter out ex leave out of the crown chakra at the right time and so on and so forth it's a very complicated uh, process the devotees simply dip in the Jamuna and come out on the other side. Mm -hmm. There's a nice um, telling of this possibility in Brihad Bhagavatamrita when Gopakumar is relating his history to Janasharma, telling how he's been telling how by uh, 
meeting his guru, getting the mantra, chanting, he's gone to different abodes and understood the religious and spiritual conceptions there and so forth. He went all the way up to Dwaraka and Nard was advising him and then he turned, Nard turned him over to Uddhava who had more familiarity with Braj, which is his destination given his Bhakti Samskar because his guru had been commissioned by Radha to bring him as he was now commissioned to bring this Janu Sharma, and he's telling him his history. We were talking about this, uh, we were talking about this, uh, I think, this morning, the, the, the autobiography of Yogi, the, you know, these are very compelling stories. The, the Siddhartha was for me when I was a kid, when I read, oh, I've got to do that, I've got to be a monk. There was a monk part of it that I liked. Siddhartha. Listen to the river. That was the message. Buddhist. Listen to the river. Hmm? There was ways of knowing beyond thinking. Hmm? Um, so in Bhagavatam, we have four or five chapters of Narada telling a story. Hmm? We were talking about just tonight, this, this, this morning. I think it might make a good book, the story of the Narada telling a story. Like the autobiography of the Bhashnav. He gets his, his sarup at a certain point and he goes through the different stages. So maybe I'll take that up at some point. But here's another instance of that. And uh, uh, this is, of course, a very pranic way, telling a narrative. But when it's the personal narrative, even it's, it's even more exciting, I would say. And so he's been telling this to Janasharma, his story, and he went all the way to Dwarka, and now Uddhava says, go back to earth and to Braj, and from there, do Nam Kirtan of your favorite names of Krishna, and the Leela Smarna that proceeds from that, and that will take you. So he, he, he he's there, he's doing that, and then he tells Janasharma this with regard to the Jamuna. It's very nice. That he had a darshan, the darshan of Krishna, in the prakatli, in the in not in the prakatli, but in the in the, in Vrindavan, on Earth, he's kind of an exception to what has become a Vaishnav rule. The Vaishnav rule is that, Gaudi Vaishnav rule that upon leaving the body, having attained Swarup City, one takes birth in the prakatlila, because the developments of the Stai Bhav, whether it be Sakya Bhav or Madhurya Bhav, that enable one to fully participate in the Leela that makes it what it is and different from the Baikunta Leelas can for all intents and purposes only be developed in association with persons who have those uh, developments. Those are the Nijasiddhas. But, but Vishwana Chakravati Thakur says practically it's impossible. So here's an exception because Gopakumar hmm, didn't enter the Prakat Leela before going to the Aprakat Leela, but he let, went from Braj. Hmm? And in Braj, it's not during the time of the manifest Leela, but the Leela is there, unmanifest, and can be experienced also hmm? by the pure-hearted. Hmm? There are many statements like this in the Puranas. Devotees see this tree flowering at this time of the year, every year. And it's, only the devotees can see, like that Kadamba tree, Hmm? on the banks of the Jamuna that grew to put the nectar on and so forth. So, anyway, he's telling his story, Gopakumar, and he, and he says how he, he suddenly he got the, 
the darshan of Krishna in Braj, on earth. That king of charming heroes blew his flute in his own playful way and escaped behind me. Suddenly he stepped into a grove, a little ass. I ran about looking, but I couldn't find him. He had disappeared. Unable to see him, I fainted and fell into the swift current of the Jamuna. As it forcefully carried me away, I seemed to regain normal awareness and looked around. Collecting my wits, I was amazed to see that I was passing through by Kuntuloka and going beyond. I watched with great delight as I passed Iodia and other realms. Without delay, the vehicle sped past the domain of Lord Narayan, where I had previously resided, and then past other supreme... Well, this seems to be from the commentary. Hmm. Excuse me. Hmm. Anyway, uh, and arrived in a shining world above all others. Sri Goloka, which I had long aspired to reach. Everything there appeared the same as in this divine Maturamundal of the material world. So he fell into the Jamuna looking for Krishna. It was like a portal. He, 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 from there he, he entered into Goloka. He came in about, about just the late afternoon. When Krishna's returning home with the cows, you know the story. <laughs> so the Jamuna, very special, very dear to Krishna. Hmm? In Gopal Tapani, which is the Upanishad that sheds light on Gopal, and where the mantra that corresponds with him, that he's not different from, is presented and explained. Hmm? There we find an explanation of what you would not think, perhaps, but is the key word of that mantra. Hmm? One said it, since it said that the essence of the mantra is the names of Bhagawan, in this case Krishna, Govinda, Gopi Janabalava. Hmm? So which name is most important? Swaha. <laughs> right? Swaha. I swaha myself to Govinda, to Gopijana Balava to Krishna. And Gopal Tapani says, this swaha, this two syllables here, this is the the um, the great daughter of the sun. Hmm? So the great daughter of the sun, that is a, is a description of the uh, name for the Jamuna also, the Kalindi, hmm? who is expansion of, uh, of Radha, who is the personification of Sacrifice the Mahabhav that corresponds with the Rasaraj, right? Hmm? Um, so, uh, and she, she of course is is the great daughter of the sun as well. She's born in the the, the dynasty where the worship of the sun, and that's her her daily ritual to worship worship the sun and and uh, and so forth. Hmm? Um, so, very special position like Govardhan, Jamuna also holds within Braj. Very important for us. Rupa Goswami glorifies the Jamuna Munastakam thus Being witness to many of Makunda's wonderful pastimes, she manifests these pastimes in the hearts of those who take shelter of her. So, 
such as the, I'll read a little bit more. The central nervous system of Krishna is wired for receiving sacrifice and thus identified with sacrifice itself, the most complete form of which is Mahabhav Swarupani Radha, who is also the great daughter of the son, Vishabhanu Nandini, Kalindi being her expansion. As in, and as we shall see ahead, Krishna's punishment and conversion of Kaliya serves only as a subtext to this to his mutual purvarag with Radha in this Leela, <laughs> as he ultimately displays his artful dancing before her as a prelude to their romantic rendezvous in Maharas, yet to unfold and not to go unnoticed by his Priyanarmasakas. Hmm? That's a mouthful right there. That's that's an earful. Jamunadevi ki jai. Kali Krishna ki jai. Any question? Well, it's, it, it, Gopal Trumpel describes Radha and the gopis holding hands and entering the Jamuna to commit suicide in the river because they've told, been told that they're going to marry somebody else other than Krishna. And the goddess Jamuna appears and tells him, don't do that, Don't. it's not going to happen, don't worry. Then Purnamasi comes on the scene, Madhamangal, Devi, and so forth. So, that's the story. Hmm. question, but what else? Yes. National bird is Garuda. Hmm. They got a Garuda Airlines, right? It shows that the Bharat was quite extended compared to the subcontinent of India now. That's, that's the country of India. I think Thailand used to be called Siam or Sham in Burma. Burma, perhaps. Hmm. Um, but in Indonesia, yeah. Not, did I say? Well, I. No, so Indian is it Thailand or Indonesia? I think Indonesia the national bird is Garuda. But there's Bali. That's Hindu. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, so we heard what? Where's the Fuji Islands? We heard the Kali is still there. Fuji Islands. I don't know. I have to look it up. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Garuda is closely associated with with the Nagas. It said that uh, Kadru, the mother of the Nagas, is a partial incarnation of Rohini, 
who's the mother of Balaram. Hmm. So she can only be the mother of Anantasej, as you were asking about last night, to the extent that she's a partial expansion of Rohini. Hmm. Rohini is the eternal mother of, of Balaram. Rohini Nandan ki jai, Dauji Gopal ki jai, Gaur Premanande, Hari Hari